Hello, everybody. Welcome. This is the podcast Woman and Mythology, and I'm your host, Maria. In today's episode, I'll share with you a little bit about the podcast and how can you better navigate the episodes. I have three types of episodes. Episodes that are stories, the retelling of a tale. Episodes that are interpretations, where I add commentary on the symbols and elements of the stories. And episodes that are conversations, where I invite a past participant, an author, a mythologist to discuss a symbol with me, a tale, or a topic. When listening to a story episode, when I'm retelling the story, I invite you to listen with your soul hearing. It is said that ancient dissectionists believed that the auditory nerve had three pathways. One pathway to hear mundane conversations, a second pathway for learning and art, and a third pathway, which was the soul hearing. The soul itself hears through this pathway to gain knowledge on the experience of earth. When we listen to stories, not just in this podcast, but perhaps when you listen in a different setting as well, we listen with this soul hearing. I invite you to be in a beautiful space. You could be in a, during a walk in nature or in a meditative setting. Listen with that soul hearing so you can invite the images in, invite the characters in, make the story come alive to you. The stories are expressions of the collective unconscious. Through the stories, you are able to access these archetypes and these symbols. And of course, you can gain a lot of insights through listening to the interpretation. But a lot of the magic happens when your unconscious speaks to you, when you allow those images to come forth. In the episodes that I share, the interpretation, the episodes that I entitled as symbols and then the description of what's the episode about, I invite you to really filter what is being said. Take with you only what makes sense, only what resonates. Sometimes the examples can be cuts from my own perspective, my own background, and my own experiences. So I do encourage you to take only what resonates with you. And the third type of episode, the one that are conversations with guests, I invite you to really be present with that conversation. Imagine you are sitting at the table with us having a coffee or a tea and feel free to engage, disagree, and reach out to both me and my guests whenever you'd like. When we interpret myths and fairy tales, we look at the characters in the tale as part of our psyche. Meaning, in a story, all of the elements will be happening within us, all of the initiations. So in a very mundane example, imagine a woman is traveling and entering a forest. That means that we are entering the forest. The forest is within us. Or a princess is marrying a prince. This marriage is happening within us. The maiden, the princess archetype, is marrying the masculine archetype within our psyche, within ourselves. There's an integration of the masculine and the feminine. And when I say psyche, what I mean is all the conscious and unconscious 
processes that are happening within us. Psyche can also be used as a synonym for soul. So that's a word that you might see and find a lot in this podcast. So when you hear the word psyche, you can immediately refer either to soul or to these conscious and unconscious processes. Another word that you might find a lot in the podcast is archetypes. And for those who are not familiar with it, I just wanted to share a little bit. So when you do listen to the episodes, you can have a deep experience. So archetypes are an original idea. They are an image. They have an independent existence. They are autonomous beings. I like to imagine them in the Mundos Imaginalis of Henry Corbin, this world between the worlds, a world that exists because we humans imagine it. The archetypes are not static. They grow, they evolve. If we try to contain an archetype, if we try to stop its process of development, it dies. In some ways, the archetype have their own process of becoming. And all archetypes have a shadow side. You might hear me speaking of this shadow side as an unhealthy side of the archetype. And I can give you an example. The archetype of the witch its shadow side, its unhealthy side, would be to take control over. The witch as an archetype is powerful. It has healing. It has the power of creation. However, in its unhealthy state, it would use that power to take control over. And this leads us to the archetype of wild woman. A lot of the work that I've been doing in my personal and professional life, it's been tracking the wild feminine in myths and fairy tales. And a lot of this wild feminine comes through as the wild woman archetype. An author that's been really important to my development and as a researcher, as a mythologist, as a woman, has been Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who wrote the book Women Who Run With the Wolves, among others. And in this book, Women Who Run With the Wolves, she tracks the wild woman archetype. And the wild woman archetype is the natural attributes of a woman. Before I add more qualities and characteristics of this archetype, I invite you to reflect on what does wild woman means to you? When I say these words, what images come to mind, both in the light and in the shadow, in its healthy state and it's in a healthy state. Sometimes when women push away or they reject it or they feel repulsed by it, it's because what they're seeing is the shadow side of the wild woman archetype. In an unhealthy way, it would be out of control. It would mean to look into the extremes as well. But in its light, in its healthy state, The wild woman archetype embodies the natural attributes and boundaries of a woman's life. There are so many qualities to this archetype. Strength, endurance, clarity, generosity, love, passion, vehemence, creativity, fertility, fearsomeness, knowing, seeker, belonging, all-seeing, Playful, reactful, sensing, community oriented. And through the stories that I will bring, we will learn and come closer to this archetype. Because the archetype is evolving, each story 
will show a facet of it, a side of it, an initiation of it. We can imagine the wild woman archetype as a prism, like a diamond. Each story is one side of it, one perspective of it, one experience of it. The idea is to get so familiar with the archetype that we can find it within ourselves, that we can open our lives so this archetype can descend from the mundos imaginalis and embody our soul. When it comes to embodying the wild woman archetype, I want to add a little disclaimer, something just for us to be aware. And I've been through it, and so I speak from my own experience, but I've also witnessed a lot of this. I just want us to be conscious of this path. In the journey to embody the wild woman archetype, we might find challenges, and we might also embody it in an extreme way. So I wanted to share a little tale here that will put this into perspective. So we go into the journey of tracking the wild woman in a conscious way. So there were four rabbis that were carried by an angel to heaven. And there they behold the sacred wheel of Ezekiel. When they descend from paradise to earth, they have very different experience. The first rabbi loses his mind and wanders around the earth foaming. The second rabbi becomes very cynical and says he only dreamt of it, of that experience in heaven. Nothing really happened. The third rabbi becomes obsessed and he does not stop lecturing about it. He goes on and on and on and he can only think about his experience in heaven. The fourth rabbi was a poet and he went on to write poems about the day and his daughter. He lived a better life because of his experience. So here's a little tale that helps us to express our learnings. As we come into contact with the wild woman archetype, as we come into contact with this scope of stories, we need to be careful not to fall into the first three reactions, three experiences that the rabbis had. The first one of losing its mind and wandering around foaming. In a woman's world, this could look like as someone who becomes taken over and maybe loses that sense of control. Another experience that can happen is what the second rabbi had, which was that cynical voice. And he says, oh, it was just a dream. So to, to also approach the stories as, oh, this doesn't matter. This is just, you know, little stories for children to sleep and lose the magic, the power, the healing that can come from it. The third reaction is also to become obsessed and not stop talking about it. I find that there are times and times to talk about these subjects. I would say it's not about not sharing them at all, but it is about finding the moment and sharing it in a sacred way, making that distinction between what is sacred and what is secret. And then what is sacred, you share it in special moments and you don't fall into that space of speaking and speaking and speaking of it, removing also its power. 
The fourth rabbi, I believe, embodies the reaction we want from this bundle of stories. He gathers his experience and he transforms it into creative work. It's beautiful that in the story it says he lived a better life because of it. And his ascent to heaven and his descent to earth allowed him to live a better experience on earth. And this is what we want from the stories. Listening and interpreting these tales are supposed to enrich in our lives. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be easy and beautiful. Sometimes the insights that the story provokes make us look into very dark parts of ourselves, very difficult parts of ourselves. But the idea is that we go through it and we live a better life. So I encourage you to be like the fourth rabbi. Use however creative form that you have in your life to express your knowledge, to express your insights. Are you a singer? Sing. Are you a yoga teacher? How can you bring that into movement? Are you a mother? How can you translate these stories into your motherhood experience? So as you move through the episodes in this podcast and you feel that you might either be having that cynical mindset or losing yourself over it, remember the fourth rabbi. Remember how to transform your experience, your insights into creative expressions that enrich in your life. So I would like to share with you a paragraph on not acting crazy, how embodied wild woman does not mean to act crazy or transforms our entire life. From the book, Women Who Run With The Wolves. This does not mean we should walk about with our hair hanging in our eyes or with black ringed claws for fingernails. Yes, we remain human, but also within the human woman is the animal instinctual self. This is not some romantic cartoon character. It has real teeth, a true snarl, huge generosity, unequaled hearing, sharp claws, generous and furry breasts. This self must have freedom to move, to speak, to be angry, and to create. This self is durable, resilient, and possesses high intuition. It is a self which is knowledgeable in the spiritual dealings of death and birth. To adjoin the instinctual nature does not mean to come undone. Change everything from left to right, from black to white, to move the east to west, to act crazy or out of control. It does not mean to lose one's primary socialization or to become less human. It means quite the opposite. The wild nature has a vast integrity to it. I always ask my participants, for them, what it means to live a life with integrity. And in myth, integrity is related to integration. It's related to keeping the paradoxal parts of ourselves together, connected, holding it in a coherent way. An example of that is being able to be loving and kind and generous, but at the same time, fearsome and fearless and powerful. By getting to know through the stories, the wild woman archetype, we are able to embody these qualities in a coherent way, in a way that has integration and live a life with integrity. Another important word 
that it's in this quote is not to lose one's primary socialization. And here I want to make a distinction between socialization and domestication. They're very different. Socialization is what a child needs to go through and we all need to go through to be able to engage in social relationships, to engage in society in a healthy way. Domestication is killing and grooming and oppressing the wild parts of ourselves. So we want to release that domestication. We want to untame ourselves in that way without losing our primary socialization, without losing our ability to engage in a healthy way with society and the way society is built, even though it is very far from perfect. So we see that the wild woman archetype is a personification of women's deepest nature. It will look different for every woman. It is a collective archetype. All the archetypes live in this collective unconscious, and we all have the ability to access it. But the way it is embodied is going to be different. I would say that there are as many ways to embody the wild woman archetype as there are women in this earth. The whole idea is that we get to know the archetype, that we get familiar with it, that we understand it from its basic to its most sophisticated forms. And then we choose how we will embody it. We choose how we will bring it forth. And for us to finish this introduction episode, I would like to share with you a little bit about the book, Women Who Run With the Wolves. The first stories that I bring in this podcast are based on the book. I'm actually following the order of the chapters. So if you see episode one, La Loba, is chapter one of Women Who Run With the Wolves and so forth. This book is a bestseller. It was published in 1992, but it was a book that it took over 20 years to be written by Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes. She's a psychoanalyst, a storyteller, what she calls a cantadora, and a mythologist. She is American, but with Celtic and Central American influences. And you can really see that in her writing and the stories she brings. And it is called Women Who Run With the Wolves because she makes this analogy. She uses the wolf as symbol for the wild woman archetype. She says that wolves, very much like the wild woman archetype, are keen-sensing, loving, playful, reacted, and pack-orientated. So I hope the myths and the stories that I will bring here in this podcast supports and allows you to track the wild and instinctual self, the peculiar and wild instinctual self. I welcome you to the Women and Mythology podcast and if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at Woman and Mythology or through my website, womanandmythology.com. I wish that the stories I'll bring sharpen your sight so you can pick out the path left by the wildish nature.